All right, Proverbs. If you have your Bible or your device, flip over there. Well, what plans did COVID-19 derail for you? So last year, about this time, life as we knew it changed. And one of the things that I think changed most noticeably, most instantly, was our calendars, our schedules. Plans from the highest places of government all the way down to the most mundane, personal, daily chores shifted in a matter of days. Some were modified, others postponed, even more canceled altogether. I still remember logging on to ESPN.com, which is a daily habit of mine, and seeing breaking news banner across the top, NBA has postponed its season. I didn't have a category for that. I still don't, but it's growing. The Summer Olympic Games were canceled for the first time since World War II. Concert tours were nixed. Movie releases were pushed back. But what about you? What changed in your life? So for our church, we had planned to move to a new venue on March 29, 2020, I looked back at my email announcement from early March last year, and these are the words I wrote. We plan to begin holding our Sunday morning services in that location, Loudoun Valley Community Center, beginning Sunday, March 29. And I got some really excited responses from some of y'all. That was the plan. It never happened. Instead, on March 29th, you all tuned in on Facebook, and I preached from my family room. I wonder, what plans has COVID derailed in your life? Church, we're back in Proverbs for two more Sundays. Uh, this week, let's, let's consider what wisdom looks like for our lives in the area of planning. Remember, wisdom, as we've defined it, is the right view of God and his world and living life in light of it. So if God is the designer of this world, then he's designed it to operate in a certain way. Wisdom is living that way. Living our lives after the design of the creator. And we've looked at numerous aspects of life and thought, and we've thought about what Proverbs has to teach us. And today we come to planning. What does it look like to plan wisely? So if you hear nothing else, let it be this. This is our big picture for this afternoon. God is sovereign, so humble yourself, plan for the future, and rest in him alone. God is sovereign, so humble yourself, plan for the future, and rest in him alone. I hope you see how our definition of wisdom is kind of reflected in that, right? We have to start with the big picture. God is sovereign. We have to start with the vertical picture. This is who God is. And then think about planning for the future in that lens with the love of God and the fear of the Lord 
at the root of our plans. So let's walk through this big picture in kind of four different, four successive parts together, okay? So first, God is sovereign. God is sovereign. So uh, just like we've been doing, this is probably the last week we're going to kind of be flipping around a lot, so get in on the game while you can. Proverbs 16, verse 9. Flip there with me. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. So your heart, friend, strategizes. Your heart plans. Your heart considers. Your heart calculates. So even for the most live-in-the-moment YOLO types among us, we still have dreams for what our lives should look like. And we try to sort of picture the path we want to take. We all plan. We plan for retirement. We plan for career tracks. We plan for marriage. We plan for how many kids we want. We plan for travel. We plan to have adventure. We plan for the impromptu. (laughs) We plan for education. We plan for training. We plan for vacations. We plan for building relationships. We plan for how many hours we'll work this week. How many hours we'll sleep this week. What we'll eat for dinner. What TV show we'll watch after dinner. What clothes we're going to wear in the morning. By nature, we are people who plan. The heart of man plans his way. You cannot live without planning. Even the laziest and most unmotivated person plans. But according to Proverbs, that's not the whole picture, is it? Proverbs again and again will point us to a master planner. So we might call our calendar apps or our schedules or our to-do lists planners. For the old school among us, we might actually still have planners, leather-bound yearly planners. They're, They're great, aren't they? But there is a daily planner, a yearly planner, a master planner above all others. And he is the Lord. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. See, our plans take place, all of our plans take place in a grand plan. And so whether or not our plans actually happen depends on that grand planner. And Proverbs makes this point over and over again. You can't miss it. Turn with me to Proverbs 19 and verse 21. Chapter 19, verse 21. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. So when all their plans have crumbled, one will remain standing every time. It's not yours. It's the Lord's. It's not the government's. It's not the individual's. It's not your employer's plan or your plan. It's not your retirement plan or your spending plan. It's the Lord's purpose that will stand every time. His plans never fail. So Proverbs, as Proverbs is wont to do, will try to bring this down to earth for us. So a couple passages real quick to kind of put some flesh on these bones. So flip over to chapter 16, verse 33. You've probably heard this verse before. 
chapter 16, verse 33. The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. So casting lots was an ancient way of making a decision, right? And though it might seem to us kind of like a random throw of the dice, Proverbs says it's not random. God is behind it. And then chapter 21 and verse 1. The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. Now, when I read that, I was like, ah, I don't think he understood how streams work. Because it's actually the water that figures out the, the waterbed, right? No, actually, what's, in, what's, what's uh, in view here, the picture here is not of just a natural stream, but of an irrigation canal of a farmer who's, who's putting in place directional uh, walls or whatever he can to build to bring water to his crops. It's been constructed and engineered to flow water to a certain place. So it is with God and the heart of even the most powerful man on earth, the kings of the earth. The commentator Tremper Longman says this verse is basically saying the king is like putty in God's hands. So friends, wisdom always must begin with a correct view of God. And so when it comes to our plans, we must first and foremost see God for who he is. He's the master planner. More than that, he's the creator, get this, he's the creator of time itself. So he's not at the whim of a schedule. He's not at the mercy of 24-7. He's the designer of it all. He gets his work done. Psalm 115.3, our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. And so friend, your first response to this doctrine of God's sovereignty, which is pasted all over Proverbs, might be something like, yeah, yeah, but, or, you know, we, we talk about whataboutism right now in our culture, right? But, and we can think about what abouts for this doctrine. Yeah, God is sovereign, but what about, what about my choice? What about my responsibility? And it's so good and fruitful, especially in a church context, to have those conversations. How does God interact with us, with our lives, our history, our responsibility? But before you go on with the whatabouts, just sit a little while with this truth. God is sovereign. We need to rest in that truth before we continue on and think about planning. But let's continue on and think about planning. So, continue on with our big picture sentence. God is sovereign, so humble yourself. So, here's where we turn from the right view of God to the right view of ourselves in the world. As the created, we must humble ourselves before the creator. So, chapter 20, verse 24. This is a humbling verse if there is any. Chapter 20, verse 24. That's not right. Yeah, it is. I was looking at verse 20. 20, 24. A man's steps are from the Lord. How then can man understand his way? Our lives are directed by the master planner. He controls it all. And so our response shouldn't be one of, of kind of give it up fatalism on one hand or kind of muscle flexing frustration on the other. 
but of humility. How can we understand our way? God's so much bigger and greater than we are. Can we discern our way rightly? Christian, this takes trust, doesn't it? We may not always know God's plan. We do know his heart. And we do know his character. And we do know we can trust him. Even as the old hymn puts it, his ways are mysterious. And as we do that, friends, we must recognize our place. So we plan, but we don't control it all. As the old saying goes, man proposes, God disposes. And so this understanding must humble us. And if you've been with us at any point in time in our study of Proverbs, that shouldn't surprise you that we get back to humility. Because throughout Proverbs, humility goes hand in hand with being wise. To be wise in God's world, we place ourselves under the God of the world. And so I think this humility, especially when it comes to our planning, must come with a large dose of healthy self-doubt. So as we seek wisdom in our planning, we must not go in, it, in with the illusion that we always know what's going to be best for us in our lives. Flip over maybe one page, or maybe you don't have to flip over to 21.2. Proverbs 21, verse 2. See, every way of man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. So even when we don't totally understand our motivations or our desires, God does. That can be fearful. It can also be incredibly comforting. We can trust him. Turn with me to chapter 27, verse 1. This is the the verse that was referenced in what Corey read for us earlier in James. 27.1. So what must our posture be towards the future, even as we do plan and strategize with wisdom? Humility, right? Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. Church, we must be humble. Not promoting ourselves or our reliance on our own intellect, our own acumen, God's sovereignty humbles us to the ground. Kosti Hinn, a pastor in California, the, the nephew of Benny Hinn, but with a different theology, he puts it like this, God is in the business of bankrupting self-reliance. God is in the business of bankrupting your self-reliance. So friend, don't boast about your future plans as if you know what will bring you the most joy, even like you know what will bring God the most glory. Don't boast about your career plans, your financial plans, your family plans. Boast in the Lord. Corey read it for us earlier. James says we are but a mist. We're like putty in God's hands. What business does putty have with boasting when it's in the hands of the Creator? See, boasting in our plans and what's yet to come is not only foolish, it's just nonsense. So what? Does that mean we just don't plan at all? We just wing it? I mean, does all this simply suggest we should not strategize or consult or put together five-year plans or ten-year plans for the future? Our big picture summary continues. God is sovereign, so humble yourself and plan for the future. 
So Proverbs wants us to humble ourselves under God's sovereignty, but there's no excuse there for laziness in planning. On the contrary, Proverbs will show us that a wise person is one who plans a lot. A wise person wants to be responsible with how he spends his days here on earth. A wise person doesn't want to be caught unprepared for the unexpected. So there's a way, friends, to plan for the future while at the same time trusting it's all in God's hands. In fact, I wonder if God's sovereignty doesn't paralyze our planning, but actually in in a way powers our planning. What do I mean by that? Well, see if you can track with me. If God is the master planner, I think we're free to plan and pursue our plans with a certain measure of abandon and freedom because we know some of our plans won't work out, right? That's liberating. I mean, we can plan knowing that as we humble ourselves, seek the Lord and his wisdom, we're going to make the best plans we can, but we know some of them aren't going to work out. Some of our plans will fail. And so we won't be surprised all the time when they do. And yet we're going to have this underlying peace that those failed plans don't derail his plan. We cannot jeopardize his plan. And so I think we're we're free to make our plans trusting him. So how do we wisely plan for the future? Well, Proverbs will remind us, and this is another no surprise, to get counsel from others. Proverbs, we've mentioned this, it's come up in several sermons, right? Listen. Don't act like you know it all. Listen to other people, even when they're critical. It's a theme in Proverbs. So turn with me back to 11.14. Where there is no guidance... A people falls, but in abundance of counselors, there's safety. Proverbs discourages hasty decision-making, but instead discerning, well-directed, cooperative planning. So just like a mountain climber may need to hire a Sherpa, we need others in our lives to guide us in the right ways and to call us out when we're straying. We need wise advisors, not just blogs, not just articles, but people who know us, people who get us, people who love us. Proverbs 15, 22 rings this bell again. Proverbs 15, verse 22. Without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. See, every wise person will have their own consulting firm, right? Their spouse, their church, their family, their friends. And so a red flag should go up if you find yourself making a plan that you're hesitant to share with anybody else because, well, you just know there's going to be pushback, right? You wonder whether they'll discourage you from pursuing this. And so you're like, well, I think this is right. I'm going to go for it. I'm just going to go for it on my own. Proverbs would say, no, pump the brakes. 
Open up to those who trust. Get advice. Make decisions. Make plans, but not before consulting with the wise. I was thinking about that. I was thinking, well, what are the reasons then that we resist this wisdom? What are the reasons we don't consult with others in our plans? Well, I'm sure you could come up with dozens, but here are a few. I, I think we open ourselves up to criticism, obviously, when we ask for counsel. For me, and maybe this is just because I have my fair share of arrogance, I just don't like having to share the credit if it goes well. You know? I mean, the other side of that is better. You know, we can share the blame. But, like, if I have a really good idea, I want it to look like Jacob's idea. But the only thing, really, that's going to hurt when we ask for advice is our own pride, right? And pride goes hand in hand with folly, just like humility with wisdom. So, Christian, do you talk through your plans with others? Wisdom dwells with the careful listener, not the go-it-myself lone ranger. Make plans in consultation with wise people. There are other things Proverbs brings up regarding the making of good plans. So in chapter 12, we learn that those who plan peace have joy. In chapter 21, it's the plans of the diligent that lead surely to abundance. Proverbs discourages us, obviously, from planning to do evil, for scheming. Instead, encourages us to live lives of righteousness. And so, Christian, are you making plans? It takes diligence to think ahead, especially when life is so hard right now. But making plans is wise. So are you purposefully, diligently, humbly planning for your future? And as you do so, who's speaking into those plans? As you do so, are you planning with the fear of the Lord and the love of the Lord in mind? Is God factoring into your decisions? If you're considering a move for a job or a school, are you looking ahead and investigating if there are healthy churches in that area for you to plug into right when you move? If there aren't, as good as the school or the job might be, maybe God's not calling you there. If you're planning financially, are you planning to give towards gospel advance? Give to those in need like we saw last week? Well, let's wrap up with the final part of our big picture statement then. God is sovereign, so humble yourself, plan for the future, and rest in him alone. See, Christian, our plans are valuable. Who knows if any of them are going to come to pass? Only God does. And I think instead of letting that freak us out, I think that should instill us in us a great rest. I love this verse, Proverbs 16, 3. This is going to be the last verse I make you turn to. Proverbs 16, verse 3. Actually, 16, 1 through 9 is just a great stretch in Proverbs on this topic. But look at 16, 3 specifically. Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. 
Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. Friends, we must make plans, but there's a real way in which we can make plans and then humbly give them to the Lord, knowing his plan is the best plan. See, here's the the wonderfully freeing news of Proverbs for wise planners. The one calling the shots knows what's best. Isn't that good news? The one calling the shots in your life, the one calling the shots in this world, knows what's best. The master planner is the savior of your souls. You can trust him, Christian. And as you trust him, as you commit your work to him, you can rest. How do you do that? Well, Jason already gave us one idea in his prayer. And, and though this may sound simple, I, I don't know if it is, since I wager most of us would say we don't do it enough. Pray. A.W. Pink once said, Nothing is too great and nothing is too small to commit into the hands of the Lord. So as we make plans, we commit them into his almighty hands in humble prayer, and then we live like we mean it. There's one thing to pray about it. There's one thing to live like what you just prayed is true. We live out our plans, whether they come to fruition or not, with a humble dependence on the one who is dependent on no one. Recognizing our place before God brings us rest in God, especially in our plans. Because his plans succeed. They always do. We may not always think his plans are best, but they are. And they're never thwarted. So here's a good summary from Tremper Longman again. He writes concerning this proverb I just read, 16.3. This proverb makes it clear that though humans can legitimately make plans, God's will is definitive as to what will actually happen. One can strategize about the future, to be sure, but this wise observation... 16.3, would lead one to acknowledge that the future can only be determined by God. And such recognition will engender a proper humility and, get this, open one up to changes. So, Christian, do you pray about your plans? I mean, do you take your calendar app and you open it up and you look at those plans that are coming up, whether they're monotonous or they're causing you anxiety and do you pray about them? Do you take your calendars, your schedules, your to-do lists, and commit them to the Lord and leave them with him? One pastor has put it like this. He says, prayer is the sound dependence makes. Prayer is the sound dependence makes. So, Christian, if you're prayerless, you're only dependent on yourself. And we've seen how those, that, your plans work. Christian, if you're prayerless, you're not humble. If you're prayerless, you're not wise. If you're prayerless, you're trying to go it alone. And God is in the business of bankrupting self-reliance. Watch out. Christian, you will show your humble rest in God's plan by taking your plans to him in prayer. And planning 
can be an anxious activity because it involves our futures. And who knows what our futures have, right? But consider this, brother and sister in Christ. You and I, by the grace of God, have futures that are sure. Proverbs 24.20 says, The evil man has no future. But church, the gospel says the redeemed man has a future secured not by himself, but by the grand plan of God. See, all throughout the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, we see a plan. We see God's plan, and it's unfolding little by little. The curtain is slowly coming up, showing his plan to bring sinners to salvation in Christ. There are attempts to throw off that plan, all the way from Genesis 3, all the way through to the end. But those things never work. As we sang in our first song, no powers of death or darkness can thwart his perfect plan. But there was a time where it seemed like God's plan had failed. At the cross, God's only son, the promised seed of Genesis 3, the promised king in David's line, the promised Messiah to save God's people, did not sit on a throne but hung on a tree, gasping out his final breaths by asking his father why he had forsaken him. And at that moment, it seemed to Jesus' disciples like the plan had failed. And Christian, just imagine you were at the foot of that cross. You had followed Jesus. He had taught crowds with such power He had brought you aside, just the the 12 of you, and talked with you more intimately about his promises and his plans. He had seemed to be the king God's people were waiting for. And now, now all your hopes and dreams for the future are just being sighed away with his waning breaths on the cross. Pilate, not God, has had the final word. The Jewish leaders, not the Lord, have won the day. Church, do you remember the greater plan at work on the cross? I told you I wouldn't have you flip to any more passages, but I lied. So uh, flip to Acts 2 with me if you have your Bibles. I think this is worth seeing in the text. This is a sermon by the Apostle Peter right after Pentecost. In the days of the early church, so Jesus has risen from the dead. He's ascended to heaven. His Holy Spirit has descended on the church. And Peter comes out with his powerful sermon. Peter, the one who had just days before denied Jesus, is now standing up and proclaiming Jesus. And here's what he says. This took guts. Look at Acts 2, starting in verse 22. Men of Israel... Hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. Yes, Jews, yes, you planned Jesus' death and you did it. Yes, Pilate, you decreed Jesus' execution and you carried it out. 
But here's news for you. Behind it all, God was working a greater plan. A plan to nail his son on a cross to bear the sins of all who would trust in him. And that plan, whether you think you won or not, has ended in victory. Do you hear this next verse? Verse 24, God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it wasn't possible for him to be held by it. Sorry, you lose. Your plans have failed. God's are standing. Friend, if you've never trusted in what Christ did on the cross, taking the judgment you deserved for your sin, giving you new life in his resurrection, turn and be saved today. If you have questions about that, you can talk to me afterwards. Email me during the week. Talk to somebody sitting next to you. We'd love to share with you more about the freedom that comes from knowing that your sins have been nailed to the cross, as we sang earlier. But brother and sister in Christ, Christian, God the master planner has planned to save you in Christ, and his plan isn't going to fail. So right now, one year past lockdown, 2021, as our lives and our plans are still very much in flux for our church, our county, your lives, our nation, this world, and we respond alternatively with anxiety one day and then anger and frustration the next and then just all out fear the one after that, do you think that if God could plan for the worst sin in history, the murder of his son, to bring about the greatest salvation? Do you think you can trust him with your plans? Let's pray. Lord, none of us are good at this. And so we repent of putting all our hopes in what we plan instead of in your plan ultimately. And so, Lord, as a church right now, we commit our work to you, asking you to establish us. We humble ourselves before you. As we'll sing in a bit, you, Lord, you wrote the laws of space and time. You hung stars like chandeliers. We can trust you with the great and the small things in our lives. And Jesus, we're so grateful that you have purchased for us a plan, a future that is sure. And that in order for our futures as Christians to be placed in doubt, well, your very work on the cross would have to be doubted too. And so we thank you for that assurance. And as we proclaim your greatness and your sovereignty now and trust you for the future, we pray that you would hear our praises from grateful lips. Amen.